Hi, superstars. Welcome to the July 2020 edition of Awesome Overflow. If you are new to being a superstar, this might be your very first overflow to get. What we do on this little episode that we create exclusively for the superstars is take a little time to visit with you guys about things that just don't make it onto the main show for whatever reason. Maybe we just ran out of time. Maybe it's something more personal we want to talk about. It's well, it's the overflow from our lives, basically. So uh, I have here with me today, Kelly Gordon. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Meg. Hi, superstars. All right, we have got some things. Kelly and I both have some little awesome things. That, you know, sometimes we just save up those things that uh, they're really awesome. We're having fun with them, but they don't make it into Awesome of the Week segment because it's not timely anymore or it's not enough for a full segment. So we're going to share some of that at the end of the Overflow episode for this month. But this month, we um, also are going to take a little bit of a different turn. Like I was just saying, sometimes the Overflow is the space that we use to talk about things that we just... You you know, they're more personal. We, for whatever reason, don't want to share them on the main Friday show with thousands and thousands of people. But since you guys are our inner circle, uh, we feel totally comfortable entrusting these things to you. And so we're going to be talking about something a little bit more serious today, sharing with you some things that are going on in our personal lives. And then, like I said, uh, at the end, we do have some extra awesome stuff to share with you. So Kelly, I'm just going to kind of turn things over to you here at the top of this episode. So that you can kind of catch everybody up um, as to what's going on in the life of your family. Yeah, it has been one of those awful, very bad, no good weeks. What was that book? I didn't read it a ton to my kids. You know which one I'm talking about, the kids book? Alexander and the very, yes. very bad, no, no good, very bad, no awful, good. terrible day, something like that. Yeah. I would yeah, use a swear no word, but I don't want there. to right now. I don't want to like make us have a explicit, it's been that kind of a week. Um, so here's, here's, if you follow me on Twitter, you already know the end of the story, which I will skip to. It is that my dad unexpectedly was in the hospital last week with an infection and had a heart attack um, early Saturday morning and passed away. They worked for an hour, were not able to revive him. Um, he was 75, so not young, but not old. And this was very unexpected because the kind of other thing of this is that my mom um, has dementia. And he was her sole caregiver. So one of the things, you know, that sometimes when life takes a turn, it reveals hidden expectations. I think that for my sibling group and myself, for sure, we were like, mom's going to go first. You know, she's not well. Yes. Dad is very well. He was physically fit. He did have a heart valve that had a congenital defect that they had been saying his whole life that we need to replace. It kind of our best guess is that the infection that he had, which ended up they did diagnose right before the end, it was group B strep. Um, had weakened mm -hmm. some of the other valves in his heart. And so it just wasn't able to keep up. Ah. Um, so, you know, again, unexpected, though. So now we are, my family is dealing with not only the loss of this great man and our father, um, he was a pastor for years and years, so a beloved figure in so many places. But also, all of a sudden, we're like, he was the sole caregiver for my mom, they lived in a, they live in a single family mm. home. And so, she has always been pretty dependent on him, no more so, especially so, I should say, this last year or two, as her dementia has really gotten progressively worse. Um, so all of a sudden, we are caring for her as well and trying to figure out what to do. So it has been a double whammy. So really, and then on top of all of it, is the pandemic. <laughs> so my first thought yes. when the um, 
when the you know when we got to the hospital and my sister and I stepped out of his room for just a moment to talk to a nurse, I looked at my sister and said, "I don't even know that we can have a funeral." And she's like, "No, we can. We can have right. you know a, a certain number of people in a church now because I remember." You know, in the spring, you couldn't even have a funeral. People would would die of COVID right. alone, and they couldn't even really have a funeral. So it's just such a huge disruption in our normal rituals and systems. Yes. So we yeah. are dealing with it in between. So we still can't have a funeral. It's just going to have to be masks on and, you know, fewer people, that sort of thing. So that's, that's the nitty-gritty, horrible news, superstars. I... You can probably even hear my voice. One of my, I think, I call it a superpower. Maybe it's not. And actually, I told Meg, I warned her I was going to ask her about this, um, is that I compartmentalize like a bus. Yes. And right now, there is so much to do. Right. Like, we are planning the funeral. It will be this weekend, visitation. People are flying in. Um, it, there's just a lot going on. So all these things, and then long-term care for my mom. That I don't even think I've really even touched. I've I've cried a few times for sure. Other people crying make me cry. Yes. <laughs> so totally when my brother yes. finally got to the hospital, he really crumpled. Um, so watching that was hard, made me cry. Yeah. But I haven't really been able to touch that too much yet. So mm-hmm. I I did not mind. I just want to assure everyone and Meg herself because she was like, "Are you sure you want to do the overflow just a few days after yeah. your dad has died?" And I said, "A, I want the superstars to know. I want them to hear it from my voice and not yes. just from a post yeah. in the hangout, which I'm probably going to put a post in the hangout, the general hangout, not just the superstars group, but Tuesday night, maybe Wednesday because I don't I want them to also hear it from me, but I wanted the superstars yeah. to know first." Yeah. And also, I, I feel like right now I still can talk. <laughs> right. So it's it's actually good to be here. It's good to be talking to you guys, to be talking to Meg. You know, in a weird way, my brain, it's like I can almost like enter my old reality for a few minutes. It's like I can take all of this other stuff and kind of put it over here. I'm obviously aware it's there, but just be like, and now I'm going to do this, this thing that I love. And I actually am working even some this week for the same reason. Like, I really love my job. And right. they're short-staffed. And I'm like, no, I would like to still try to do what I can do there. It's actually good for me. I think it helps me anyway in some sort of odd way. So one of my questions for Meg is how different personality types deal with grief. But I know, Meg, you know, you what, – what I'm dealing with here, suddenly being thrust into, is this kind of sandwich generation concept, right, which I'm sure some superstars are familiar with and living it as, as well. I feel like – even for me, and I'm the oldest of my sibling group, um, we're dealing with it young. Like we have toddlers. Like our, our, you know, I don't, but my, I have two. My brothers both have toddlers. Um, so it used to be, I think, that when I thought of the sandwich generation, I thought of people who were approaching empty nest. You know, their kids were at college or married, and now they, so they're still kind of moving kids out, and they're, now they're taking on care of their parents. And I'm like, we are still like potty training as a group, and moving kids out. And caring for parents. So it's a it's like a club sandwich. We have like yeah, three layers definitely. of stuff that's going on. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I want to talk about, if it's okay with you, I want to talk about the personality component first, because I do think this is so interesting. Okay, yes, let's do that. 
I was just reading about type seven. So just as a catcher upper for everybody, personality wise, Kelly's an Enneagram seven, um, the enthusiast type, and um, also an ENFP like I am. Um, and I think it's really interesting because I, the thing that the piece I was reading about sevens who are grieving is that they're part of the head triad. So fives, sixes, and sevens are part of the head triad, which the way I understand it is um, in Enneagram that that means that you all tend to process through your mental faculties first. And so what you were saying just now reminds me so much, uh, many of you all know that Kyle's dad passed away suddenly um, seven years ago when the twins were four months old. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. So It I, was seven years ago. That's what I'm reacting to. Yes, wow. seven years ago. Um, and the way that it turned out, so his, his dad passed away um, on a weekend morning and we had... I had friends who were in town in Oklahoma City from out of state, from South Texas, whom I hadn't seen in years, and we had planned to host them at our house that night and cook out and all of this stuff. And then, and so his dad had passed away, and he was like, and I was like, well, obviously, I'll, I'll tell my friends we're not going to be able to do the visit. And he was like, no, have them come over. I still want to cook. We'll do a big thing. And I was like, are you serious? Are you are, are you really up for this? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do the whole thing. And so he did like he went and uh, got all the stuff and made a whole burger cookout and did root beer floats for dessert. Like it was a whole thing. And I just was, it was really hard for me to relate to. But as the more I've thought about this, because he's a five. So again, head triad, I do think that it is a very natural thing for people in that um, space to go into like, okay, I'm going to go into the mental work of this. And so like for you, you're making lists, you're like kind of organizing people as they're coming in, especially again, as the oldest of four, which I understand that role and responsibility so much. Um, but you know, being able to work, being able to sit down and record for the superstars, like you said, it kind of gives you a place of comfort of, of like, okay, I don't know what, I don't know what to do about a funeral during this time. I do not know what to do about my mother's care, but I do know how how to do this. And I think that that was what <laughs> motivated Kyle to still host a cookout, you know, at our house right after his dad had passed away. Um, and it might be kind of giving you the energy and something to kind of, like you said, it feels like your, your old life for just a few minutes. So I think that's a part of it. Um, and to, you know, as a seven, you, and, and as an ENFP, those are two types that are very people oriented. And so the fact that you, I'm sure, do have, you know, family maybe coming in as much as people can travel right now. But I know a lot of family is right there in the Twin Cities area, too. So the sort of like managing of people and kind of overseeing all of that probably feels like a very comforting, normal space for you to slip into as well. So I can definitely see all of that for sure. Yeah. Well, and even the the family piece, and I would say this is something I was saying to Corey over the weekend, is that because we really just have my siblings and my my parents here, my mom now, um, my extended family doesn't live near here, and my sister has always done a much better job. I, I jokingly say, but it's not really a joke, that she's the connector. You know, like She's the center of a, a spoke that goes out. 
So she has done such a better job of keeping in touch with like all of our cousins and things like that. And I was like the oldest, one of the oldest cousins. So she was more in the center of all of them. So I was always like, yeah, you know, she's gone to weddings. She's, you know, kept up. And I've been like, yeah, I just, you know, how life is. And so I have been very touched, I would say, over this weekend to see the number of people who have reached out, you know, not only people in my life now, but people who I have not spoken with in years. And even I I was telling Meg right before we hit record that just as we were supposed to record, I got a phone call from one of my dad's very good friends. He was a pastor for years. So of course, he knows pastors. And it was the pastor who's going to come and do his funeral. He's going to come from Ohio. And just just hearing his voice and, you know, him saying, you know, I, I do remember him when I was a child. He had daughters my age and we would sometimes visit them. But, you know, it's been 30 years since I have seen them. So to hear the warmth and the um, it has been comforting. It's been like, you know, it's that silver lining of hearing from people. So, yes, that has also um, stabilized me. To be oh look at look at that we are really cared for which I knew but there's something about hearing the voices and that even as exhausting as I'm anticipating you know, like four hours of visitation and a funeral and you know bear all the stuff that we have still coming ahead of us this weekend are going to be to see those people will be deeply meaningful to me and so that is also another thing that is getting me through you're right I I do feel bad because I wonder. For people who are not in the head triad, if we seem very crazy, like like we're like we're stifling, you know, you know, where people are like, wow, I don't know if I'm I'll have to we'll have to have maybe a talk with my siblings once we get through the most immediate crush and be like, how does everybody reacting to this? Because I think, of course, everybody's going to react differently and grief is expressed differently through all sorts of different lenses. But I, I sometimes people at work have been so careful when I wrote them and said, I do think I want to work a few days this week. And they're like, all right, like, we'll take your lead. But like at any moment, you could back off and we would be fine. You know, like they've just support. They want to support me in, in whatever way. But I have just noticed in some of those, like, mm-hmm. are you sure? You know? sorts of things. And I think I, I really am like, this is helpful to me, but I can see how for other personality yes. types, it's the exactly. opposite. Exactly, Probably. exactly. And so you look at somebody who might be in the heart triad, which is um, two, three, and four, they may be the ones who are immediately, a, you know, a wash in emotion. Um, of course, it's going to express in different ways, you know, so you like you have a two who's very doing and helping oriented. So they may be like crying and organizing the, you know, after funeral meal and those types of things. Um, so it's going to express in different ways. Um I do remember, I didn't think that Kyle was like crazy. I thought he was like in a really deep sense of shock um, that was, that allowed him to be um, pretty unemotional. And plus he's a, an an INTJ, which they are known for their feelings kind of living deep inside too. But I, I know just from walking through this with him, you know, it catches up eventually. I can remember months after Mac died, that was my father-in-law. Um, I remember vividly the twins were still baby babies. We were in our bedroom. I remember it was dark. It was at night. Um, I was, you know, kind of getting the boys ready for bed. And Kyle just like it just all came just the tears and the sadness, like the real like deep within heartache came out but it it took months and there wasn't you know I mean I think that's what we talk about when we say grief looks different for everyone and as human Mm -hmm. beings I think that we do this with all kinds of things if somebody's 
fill in the blank doesn't look like our fill in the blank, then we're like, what's going on with you? <laughs> you know, right. But um, I think this is exactly what that uh, sort of expression speaks to is the fact that every single person is going to process this in their own ways. And there's no wrong way to grieve and to walk through whether it's the first days, the first weeks, the first months to this day. I mean, again, Kyle's dad passed away seven years ago. To this day, we'll have conversations about him and we'll both just sit there with tears pouring down our face because he was just such an amazing and treasured person, obviously for Kyle more so for me, but I I loved and adored my father-in-law so much. Um, And that's seven years later, you know? And so it just, it does, it comes in waves and kind of never know when it's going to pop up but I well and isn't there something about the sevens being having an odd relationship with emotion because on one hand people see us as being you're so enthusiastic and you're bubbly and so you must be a very emotional person and in some ways that's because we those are also emotions right but yet we don't like unpleasant emotions like talk to me about that that's the other thing I was thinking about I was like how like, I know I'm, I know on one level I'm sad. I know that there's loss. I know I'll grieve. I'm not worried about me. But I'm like, what's well, going on here? Because, of Mate-teats. course, the main thing with Enneagram 7 is that they're pain avoidant. So nines are avoidant. <laughs> Talked about this on the show. <laughs> nines will yes. even avoid happy things. We just avoid. <laughs> but sevens are super, super pain avoidant. And so anything that is painful, it's uncomfortable. I do think that what you said about compartmentalizing that um, sevens do that so well, because they'll just be like, Oh, that I don't like that. I'm going to just set that to the side. And there goes your train coming through. (laughs) I love it. I turned the mic off because it was so loud. Um, but yeah, so seriously, just that that thing of like, oh no, that's a that's a bad feeling. Uh, I'm just going to put this over here. I'll get back to it later, and I'm just going to keep going down this track that is much happier to be on. Um, I think is a very seven thing to do. I think you're absolutely right. Sevens are big. I think the reason people think that sevens are more emotional than they are is just because they're usually very expressive people. Um, really. Yes. Um, you can you can definitely be um, the center of attention. They don't feel uncomfortable with that. They don't do it in a, you know, like an unhealthy way, but they're just very expressive. They really are a presence wherever they go. And I think sometimes we connect that with also being fueled with a lot of emotion, but it's not, that's not really necessarily the case for sevens. Um, they are just, they are about, they are enthusiastic and they're about enjoying things to the fullest. And so I think sometimes that can really look like, oh, you must be a really emotional person if you're really enjoying things that much. And sometimes that's true, but they definitely are motivated in their avoidance of pain and of hard things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's really helpful. It's just been, I was like, this is interesting. And again, even that is a little yes. bit of that headspace. It's almost like I'm, I'm analyzing right? myself from the outside and saying, this is interesting. Your dad died 48 hours ago and you're not really crying. Yeah. And I, I trust you, Kelly. You'll get there. But like, I wonder why. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, I have other siblings who are very different about mm-hmm. it and seem to be much already dealing with yes. grief for my dad. And I'm like, until we get through all this yes. stuff... Like, it's going to be months for me. You know, it's going to take us months to deal with this whole situation mm-hmm. before I think I'm going to really be able to start to deal with my own grief. I'm sure that the funeral will facilitate yeah. some. Oh, yeah. There will be, it's one of those markers, yes. right? It's a ritual. Yes. And um, also, 
but at the same time, there's just too much well, to do. Well, that's what I was going to say. I'll say this too. I do think that the fact that you guys now immediately, immediately have to make some decisions about your mom's care in a very difficult time for pursuing care for aging um, parents, both ENFPs and sevens are really good big picture thinkers. And that means that the details can feel a little stressful. And so I think the fact that not only are you guys trying to plan a funeral in the midst of pandemic time, but this other much, a a decision that I'm sure feels like has really high stakes um, and has a lot of details to work through, not to mention the fact that there's your family home and what to do about all of this, like the deluge of details that come with death that's overwhelming for anybody, but especially for a personality type that would much rather be in the gear of like, okay, what are we envisioning for down the road? This was what it could look like. That's all fine and good, but oh yeah, we've got to deal with all this stuff. I can see how you would quite naturally switch into, okay, there's all this stuff we got to do. Let's start talking about what we're, how we're going to do this. Kind right. of thing. Yeah. And I know that you have some experience yes. with some of this. Yeah. So here's the other side of it, too. This is something that I definitely haven't talked about. I haven't even really talked about this in my personal life. Um, okay. So We're putting Meg on the hot seat here. <laughs> Just because, I mean, talk about so stressful and being unexpectedly finding myself in the reality of, like you said, the sandwich generation, I I would much prefer to just sit down and eat a big, delicious sandwich than be stuck in this. <laughs> so quick context. Um, my mom has MS. She was diagnosed with MS when I was two years old. She has the, she had the relapsing remitting kind, which means that she was in totally fine health except for some downturns that were temporary when I was growing up until 1997 when she was in a major car accident and just really never recovered physically from there. So her health has gotten progressively worse despite her neurologists trying out all the latest and greatest treatments for it. Um, in the meantime, about five years ago, my dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's. Now he's doing remarkably well with that as far as Parkinson's can go. He's doing really remarkably well. Well, um, since 2012, they had been living in Mississippi. My dad, when he retired from dentistry, wanted to do some stuff that's associated with the Civil War. We'll just leave it at that to keep things simple. Um, but my mother's health has gotten so bad that they couldn't travel anymore. And that's what they spent a lot of their time in retirement doing is traveling. And they would come out here to Oklahoma to see us. My sister has a daughter who lives here, not Emily, but my youngest sister. Um, and so when it became clear that my mother was not going to be able to travel back and forth a few times a year to see us, they decided to leave Mississippi, sell their house. This was in February and March when... (laughs) The world is closing down. The world was, yeah, the world was changing. And moved to Oklahoma City. And so they did do that. They live here now. Um, And so whereas something that has been a physically far off issue for years, especially the decline in my mother's health, which has gotten so much worse. I won't go into the details, but just like everything that you can think of with your, with the, you know, that would be impacted by from a neurological standpoint has gotten so much worse. Um, I was really unprepared and I've seen them 
in the last, you know, few years and thought, oh, gosh, I don't, you know, I, we could see it coming that she wasn't going to be able to travel anymore. But just to see how bad her day-to-day life has, um, how much it's, you know, diminished. Um, it's been really difficult. And so now um, I can see clearly that even though they've bought this gorgeous house up in the Northwest um, kind of suburb area and they're uh, totally capable. I mean, we can, we go over, I take the kids up there and we visit all the time. They have a little community pool. We go swimming. I can see like in the pretty near future, we're going to, something's going to have to change. My dad, because of his Parkinson's and because he's in his seventies is just not going to be able to, they do have help daily, but they're, helper leaves at like one or two every day. And so, you know, from that stretch in the afternoon on into the evening, it's all on him. Um, and of course I'm close by, but I have a lot of kids, including a toddler, um, and their house is not baby proofed even a little bit. (laughs) Um, it's been extremely difficult to face the reality of how poor their health is. And then also so overwhelming, to start to think about like, what are we going to do? Like they, this, this, the current situation is okay, but for the long term, it is not sustainable. And again, as the oldest and as the person with the most kids, and so they wanted to come live here. Um, it is definitely a responsibility that's sort of shifting to me. And Kelly, I'm sure you feel the same way right now. Like, I don't know how to do any of this. Like, exactly. I was, like how to yes. make these decisions, even even how to care for them. I think that my sister, who you know is yes. also Emily. Yes. If you guys didn't already know that both Meg and I are the oldest of four, and we have a younger sister who is very close to us. And they're both superstars, Emily, and we're both ENFPs. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, it's just creepy. Um, yeah, they're both in the superstar group. She has always been the one who has been both um, maybe emotionally and also physically more um, close to my parents. Like she's lived everywhere that they've lived. And so she certainly has been aware. And we would, we've known these last couple of years as my mom's health, you know, when we would get together, we would notice her, you know, repeating herself or not remembering things. And so it was disturbing. And my dad would talk about it. And we would talk to my dad and say, you know, what, what can we help you with? What do you want to do? And I think that if I was to go back and redo this situation, which obviously we can't do, but it it feels like we lived in that, well, it's okay, we can get by mm. for now mm. yes. too long. Yeah. Um, when he got sick, he'd been sick for um, about seven days before he actually, we ended up having to call an ambulance to get him to the hospital um, on a Tuesday. He had, he had, before he had gone completely downhill, said to my sister, this is a wake-up call. Because if I am sick, even just sick like this, you know, at the time he just had, he we'd gotten a, a negative COVID test, but he had kind of all those symptoms. You know, he was coughing and he had a fever and just was lethargic. He said, um, I, I, your mom can't do anything. And so since he went to the hospital last week, we started to take on her care. Um, and she didn't want to be left alone. And we didn't really feel safe leaving her alone. And so having all of a sudden to be thrust into like what she's like on a day to day, like from minute to minute, you know, both my sister and I were saying, we didn't even know it was this bad. And this is, this is really like, he was probably, 
it was probably a little bit better when he was there because he, you know, they develop systems. Like I'm sure my dad was like, well, I just lay out her pills and I do these things and we don't, but we don't know any of that, you know, and she doesn't know any of it. So, so um, he was already starting to say, yeah, this is, we've got to, we're going to, as soon as I get out of here, we're going to have to start looking at facilities where, you know, if something were to happen to me. So we lived in that in between a lot. I think that's the thing is that I feel bad because he was also sad and stressed, you know, for two years. He had very little respite um, because I think he, as a spouse, my parents were, would, would have been celebrating their 50th anniversary this October, was like, this is my, this is my, my duty. Um, you know, this is, she has cared for me for so many years. To care for her is hard, but also a privilege. But it also takes a toll on people to be that caregiver. Um, so I, I have to wonder a little bit about that too. So yeah, that's, I think that will be the lesson going forward is just to maybe, especially as children, we don't really want to face our, the, the aging of our parents. You know, we, we're like, let's just not look over there. Like, let's just not see how bad it is. And then um, maybe not pushing hard enough to say, let's, Let's try to stay a little bit ahead of the curve instead of all, be behind yeah, it. I'm, but yeah. he, I'm going to take that to heart because you're right. First of all, like the power of denial, and again, I'm avoidant driven to begin with. <laughs> Same sister. Same. So I knew that things were getting bad. I to see it up close in real life is very difficult. It's difficult just to see the physical signs of aging, I think, in your parents. Um, And, you know, you and I are both in our 40s. And so it's not like this is brand new. Our parents obviously have been, you know, aging for a while. But then to see, to see it sort of, I feel like there's a moment where your parents kind of turn a corner from just like, oh, they're, you know, they're, and they're whatever, and they're, they're fine. You maybe see some more gray hair, their skin changes, kind of becomes, you know, old people's skin or whatever, you kind of take that in stride. But then um, to see just up close and personal, like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is a lot. And again, it's called the sandwich generation, because not only is that a lot, but also there's, you're being tugged in all these different ways, job wise, your own family, the, you know, this, the day to day life stuff. um, It's a lot. And I, to, it, it reminds me of, in a sense, just to try to kind of put it in the context that I can understand, before you have a baby, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, having a baby is so mm-hmm. hard. And you can be prepared, like, okay, we're going to have a baby, and it's going to be so hard. But then you do not know the actual reality of what it feels like to live it out until you're doing it, is what I feel like this whole right. thing since my parents moved here has been. And so it's been really difficult to talk about because... It's it's sad and hard and I don't know what I'm right. doing and I and also it can be very isolating, you know, um, yeah. if you're the only one in your friend group who is making these decisions and has walked this path, it can feel very alone. So, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things of it's exactly like becoming a new parent. Only yeah. it's sad, you know. I think people like to think about becoming a new parent. It's happy. It's hopeful. Mm-hmm. It's new life. Where this is just bumps up against our own, you know, human, like we don't want to think about mortality and the American, like we don't want to think about growing old and we're just going to pretend that doesn't happen. So there's so many things that I think are naturally in us that just say, let's just not think about that. Let's not prepare for it. So 
where people are more used to preparing for something that's happy to prepare for something is sad takes a lot of fortitude. So that's just what I'm going to take away a little bit. Like, obviously, I'm sure there'll be tons of things I'll think of as we go through. But it's just my kind of right now as I'm thinking, like, it would have and my dad did do some planning, like he he had quite a bit laid out, not everything, you know, as far as funeral home and you know things like that, which so that's nice that he had thought about things like that. And that's helpful for sure. Um, but it just makes me think, you know, it is a hard thing to think about, even our own. But like the more prepared that you can kind of be, even having these conversations or these discussions in small little snippets, um, the better it is, really the better it is. It's because it's already a hard situation. Just like if you were to become a parent, if someone handed you a newborn, it's so hard. But if you had a little bit of preparation to know like you know like you need to have them kind of on some sort of like they need that these are the things they're going to do and this is what's going to happen and if they're crying this is what it means you know you're just a little bit more prepared doesn't mean it's not hard but it's a little bit more preparation so and I will just close this with saying this because I know that the superstars I would I've said this to a few friends you guys have been so supportive of sort of awesome as a team of me as a person i just want you to know right now i've already felt your prayers even though you haven't been praying for me yeah like i know meg has been praying for me she sent me some of the like she's made (laughs) me cry because she sent me some of her her prayers um i truly believe that prayer is like this it it enters into an eternal sort of a state so it does it's not just a time existent thing so it's not like oh you have to pray for me now you have prayed for me you pray for me at this moment I've Kelly, already. That's it. a very Catholic um, thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I am probably more Catholic in yes. spirit than I am in actual title. I love it. I love it. But yes, yeah. you're absolutely right. Our superstars group. I feel like we have really. I feel like there's been a change in 2020 for all of the bad things that 2020 has brought. I feel like our group, our little small community has really come together in a lot of ways and really grown. And Mm -hmm. I honestly feel like there's a strength there that I wouldn't even have guessed even like a year ago. And so I think that you're absolutely right that, you know, the love and care that you guys show to us and the support it is, it does exist outside of time. And it's definitely, definitely felt and noticed. So Right. And, and and that's why we wanted to bring it to you. I wanted you guys to hear it first, but also I think this is exactly what the overflow is yes. for. You know, like it's not yeah. always the happiest thing, but this is if you have said, like Meg asked a few weeks ago, you know, kind of you are supporters. We want to, pr- to produce mm-hmm. content that would yeah. add value for your support. What can we do? And so many of you said, we just want like, well, you said yes. like the spicy takes and the hot takes, that sort of thing. But this is, it's not spicy, but it, it is like the yeah. real this is if 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 we are um kind of a girlfriend chat podcast, if we are a community, that's what we're doing here. Like if you were sitting across from me having coffee right now, these are things we'd be talking about. And I'm so grateful that Meg like was okay yes. with me taking this conversation yeah. here and sharing, you know, even mm-hmm. your part of the story. Because this is yes, this is, is real. And I know that we can have some discussion in the superstars if other people are like, This is my yeah. reality too. We're there for each other. That's what makes this totally. place special. 
Yes, I couldn't agree more and I couldn't have said it better myself. So, all right. Now we both have a few things because we did not want to, you know, as a seven and a nine, we don't want to end things on a bummer. (laughs) I was really, I was really worried about that, you guys. I was like, I want to say this, but I'm, I'm very Chandler. (laughs) You know, friends, I'm like, we got to end on a joke. We got like, can I send them all funny (laughs) gifts? Um, So yes, we we have a few things. I, I would say these aren't so much, I don't know that they would rise to the, grand level of awesome of the week in my mind, but these are for sure the things that are saving my life right now. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, one of them. Ah, I meant to go back and look this up to see if it was in the Superstars group or if it was in the sort of awesome hangout. Somebody tagged me from an awesome and said, Kelly, thank you so much for recommending Kim's Convenience. It is absolutely wonderful. And I remember seeing it and I thought, I know. (laughs) Did I? I don't remember (laughs) doing that, but... Maybe I mentioned it somewhere because it was a show that I kind of had in my list of like wanting to watch at some point. So I knew what it was. So I just didn't like reply for a while. And then Meg finally was like, that was my recommendation. And I was like, oh, good. I'm not going like losing my mind completely. Completely. (laughs) So I am here to tell you that that person maybe was prophetic because I started watching Kim's Convenience in the last few weeks. And you guys, it's so good. It is so good. I am apparently not only Catholic in spirit, but also Canadian, because those are my two favorite shows, like Schitt's Creek right now yes, and Kim's Convenience. Yes. They have a certain similar humor to them, yes. I think. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not quite American sitcom-y. There's no laugh track. Right. Um, but they're so good, and the people are so real. Oh, my gosh. Um, it is – I just am binging it, and I'm loving it so much. And Meg was so happy to hear me I'm when I like so texted happy. her, and I'm like, I love this show. <laughs> so happy i'm happy to be an evangelist for kim's convenience i that show is so darling i just want to like wrap it up in a rocking chair and rock it <laughs> so <laughs> it's so sweet i love it, um, it i love sweet. all the characters i love the story arcs i just it is perfect escapism when you just yes. need to feel freaking good for a hot minute i'm yeah. so glad you've gotten into it and now I'm saying all these things. I'll just have to text you, Meg, okay. because this show hasn't, you know, doesn't have the sort of pop culture that like Parks and Rec right, or right, right. Friends, you know, where there's all these cultural references that people get if yes. you say things. Yes. So I just keep going, okay, bye, see you. And people are like, why are you, why are you talking with, like, is it because your husband's Korean? <laughs> and I'm like, so I'm saying all these things from the show that just make me laugh or stop. Like, <laughs> the, that's, we'll just go like, stop. Yeah. So I've been doing that to my kids. They have no idea what I'm doing. But they, they listen and I, I giggle to myself. So it is very much like what you said. It is escapism. If you guys, superstars, have not watched the show and you, like me, just need something that's a sitcom, it's warm, it's funny, it's about a family. They are um, like Korean-Canadian yeah. immigrant family. So yes. the parents came. The kids, I think, were born in America yes. or in, in, in America, Canada. in Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just about their life and their family and their their shopkeepers. It is charming mm. and will just be like a warm, fuzzy blanket. It is. I'm so glad that, it's, that that kind of TV is still out there. Me too. Me too. Um, anything else on your list of good stuff helping you get through some dark times right now? Okay. So <laughs> you guys want to, again, if you were sitting across the table from me and you were like, so what's saving your life right now? Uh-huh. I would tell you Kim's Convenience. Yes. I would tell you Yoga with Adrian, oh, totally. which we've talked about yeah. for sure on the podcast again. You guys, you don't have to be a yogi to love Yoga with Adrian. And she has like 
if she was already popular oh, before gosh. the pandemic. Oh, man. Since the pandemic, just off the charts. She is. Um, so, But she is just so gracious and loving. And so being able to do 20 minutes of yoga, especially in this time when everything is going crazy, to just be like, I'm just going to be present mm-hmm. for 20 minutes. Yeah. It's been so good. Um, I will also say workout clothes mm-hmm. are saving my life. Yeah. You guys, I don't get dressed anymore. Yeah. I, this is this is my dressed. <laughs> and well, I don't work out. Look, listen, you look hot, too. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I look tan because I do my work outside. You look tan, but you're looking good, too, in your workout okay. clothes. I'm just well, to thank tell you, you that. That's not where I'm wearing them. I'm wearing them because they're stretchy. Yes. And now when I put on anything that's restricting, I'm like, oh, it pinches. I don't like it. This is so, chafing my skin, this regular material. What is this button thing? So I, I think that I don't know what's going to happen post-pandemic. I'm a little worried for all of us. Yes, I know, right? I am certainly not eating the healthiest. I am not working out. I remember at one point... I stopped at Costco and I was wearing workout clothes and now I had either come or I was going to. And the the person, the snarky checkout person said, are you even working out today? And I was like, they were, no, they were being kind of jokey with me. And and I said, yes, I am. The Y is right down the street and I'm headed there. And they were like, oh, okay. Because most people are not working out when they're wearing those clothes. They're just wearing them. And I was like, well, that is not me. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) that is now me. Yeah. I wake up and change out of my pajamas and put on stretchy clothes. And then I put on stretchy clothes to go to sleep. So if you, like me, just need a little bit of comfort, I mean, join me in the spandex revolution <laughs> where we live now. And we, I don't know. I mean, people aren't ever going to go back to the office, maybe. I know. Maybe this is what we do. So it's okay. It is okay. But well, that's, that's what's saving me. You are looking good rocking them for sure. For sure. Um, a few things that have been so happy for me. First of all, I found a book. Um, I just talked about this on Awesome Today, too, but I wanted to tell the awesome, the superstars about it. Let me get the title right. The title and the author. Um, the, the book itself is called You're Awesome. And I was like, what's this? Oh, that's so perfect. Somebody write this for me. Um, and the author is Neil Pasricha. I messed okay. up his name when I talked about him on Awesome Today. So it's a book about resilience, but it's not just your typical, like, dry, like, this is how to become resilient. And it's not too, I don't know, I don't do super well with things that are, like, super, super seriously mindful. And I also do, don't do well with, like, really hyped up motivational speaker types. This guy hits it right in the middle. He's funny. He's charming. He uses a ton of stories of failure from his life. He talks about the life of his um, parents. His mom is an immigrant from um, India and uh, some of the challenges that she overcame. And it's just, it breaks down the ideas of like how to grow resilience, but he does it in such a charming way, telling stories of his own life, the his own struggles that he's overcome and kind of pulls out some universal principles. And I have it on audio. I've been listening to it on my morning walks with the dogs and the baby. And it's been really just so great. It's for me, it hits just the right note of self-help in that it's not too like, go, go, 
go, go do this right now. Get super productive, right. get efficient, get effective. It's not that. Um, but it's also not the more slower pace. Like I, I do some mindfulness, as you know, I've been growing in mindfulness mm-hmm. this year. I have got my own other resources for mindfulness, but it's not like super mindfulness. It's just fun and chatty. And I love this guy. And he narrates it himself. And it's been That's really good. Ask. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's called You Are Awesome. And it's been really good. The other thing that I love so much right now, I've mentioned briefly on the show that I got really into perfumes from independent uh, perfume houses. Yes. And I have, I, I kind of fell out of that, you know, how ENFPs, can, how, you know how we can be, we can be <laughs> into one thing one I day, do. we forget about the next. Um, but I've gotten really back into it and have really been exploring some different scents that um, are a lot of just a whole variety of things, like perfumes that are kind of evocative of, you know, like right after a rainstorm, some of those scents. And wow. um, there's one I'm loving called Sunwarmed Honey that somehow is fruity without being like the gross kind of fruity. Like I, when I yeah. think fruity things that are artif- artificial scents, I think of like Fruit Loops or kids' fruit vitamins. Or yes, yeah, fruit exactly. Like gum, the gross kind of fruity. The people who are making these perfumes craft them with like such beautiful oils and somehow it truly does evoke this sense of being like walking through an apricot orchard. Um, And it's making, I'm so smell oriented that in a bad way, if something smells bad, like if I walk into my house and it smells like, oh my gosh, it's somebody cooked bacon in here. It literally puts me in a bad mood. Just my house smells like bacon. Um, so the opposite in being just to be able to kind of like get a whiff of something lovely and pleasant on my wrist is making me so happy. So yeah. I'll try to share smells- some of my... Uh- or like that, I yeah. think, you know, like just having a good smell. That's why, you know, like we like diffusers or candles, all those things. Yeah. It's just, it's a small thing that you can do that really can, I think, have a big bang for its buck. Totally. Totally. So those are sort of at the top of my list right now. I'm really excited about this week's sort of awesome that's going to come out. I got to record with superstar Julie Tepperman. She's so fun. She and I actually really did become friends through the hangout through sort of awesome. It's so fulfilling and rewarding to me because, you know, Kelly, we see all these stories of people like, oh, we met through the hangout. We There's, you know, podcasts that are doing awesome now, like our friends Katie and Meredith who met through the hangout. And Anna and Laura Lynn had a podcast and they met through the hangout. Like we see all these connections, but for like it to happen to me is so great. So Julie and I had a great time recording. I'm so excited for you guys to get to hear that on the regular show on Friday. So yeah. Those are awesome. I like that. Yeah. Well, Kelly, thank you. I know in the midst of all of this, this is a super busy time. And and I do, I was like, are you sure you want to do this? So <laughs> I do appreciate that you took some time out to sit and visit with us, sit and visit with me, but also with the superstars. And hopefully, like you said, hopefully it does open up some conversations so that people can, you know, sort of connect over some of our shared experiences with this. So yeah. thank you. Absolutely. All right. You guys know where to find us on all of the places. If you are not in the superstars group, on Facebook. We'd love to have you. Um, You can search SA Superstars and find us on Facebook. Also, don't forget if you are listening in the Patreon app or if you want to log in um, to um, Patreon to find us in the app, you can, there's also a comment section there. I always forget about that, but you can definitely leave comments and communicate with us through Patreon as well um, if you want to share some feedback there. So you guys, thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time.